So if you had to suck a toe, which toe would you guys suck? Uh, big toe. Definitely the middle one. Pinky. Yeah, definitely pinky because it's cute. Welcome to the first episode of Strange Flavors. This is brought to you by Aleph Theory. My name is Faraz. I'm Danny. I'm Rashad, aka the Sauce Kid. I'm just Brandon, or aka Typical Tav. Uh, that's the crew. We're um, all co-hosts on this show. So we all come from different backgrounds, different races, different religions. And um, what this show I hope to explore is, you know, the, the name Strange Flavors. Um, the point of it is that we are going to be exploring people's stories and perspectives and ideas that are unfamiliar to us, um, just as we may be unfamiliar to other people. And the name essentially means, you know, everybody has their own unique flavor and we'll, it'll always be strange to us until we uh, we try it, right? Um, I'm Danny. I am a white female, and <laughs> um, you know, I just I think that I have that girl next door type of perspective. I try and see everyone's point of view, and that's about it for me. <laughs> uh, what's up? I'm Rashad. Um, I'm actively on snapchat got stories for days so please follow me that is ace boogie pacino on snapchat <laughs> so you know um but a little bit about me um college student um full-time worker i do a lot um i rarely sleep but um yeah just um open mind um just like to try new things and want to use this podcast to really expand my horizons well i'm just brandon and uh, really, I just make music. I'll DJ here, some in there. And um, what I would like to get out of this is just really learning about media. To do something like this that's not for a class is kind of something that's new for me. And uh, I'm actually excited about it. And we'll, we'll include all our uh, handles for you know social media in the description. And if you want to email us, just send an email to strangeflavorspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to tweet to us on Twitter, um, obviously we'll have our own handles. So let me ask you guys a question. If you were to describe yourself in any sort of flavor, what flavor would you be? Danny, you can go first. I hate going first. Um, <laughs> I would say that I would probably be a Starburst. And the reason being is because they have a bunch of different flavors in their package. And they actually, I was Wikipediaing it, and they actually <laughs> describe themselves as the sunshine flavors. And not going to give too much away about myself the first episode, but I would say that that described me very well. So You are a very smiley, shiny person, always keeping it positive. So <laughs> nice. Well, I'm... um. Actually, if I had to choose a flavor, it'd probably be chocolate chip. And um, why chocolate chip? Well, it says that chocolate chip is generous, competent, and a go-getter. And those are really three things that I like to describe about myself. Um, I'm definitely a go-getter no matter what the occasion is. No matter what I'm working for, I always work hard to achieve everything. Um, never stop. Um, definitely a generous person. Um, I like to help out everybody. I like to do things for everybody. Um, competent. Yeah, I definitely strive for success. That's like my main goal. So, I mean, if I haven't achieved it, then I haven't done anything. So chocolate chip, chocolate nice. chip. All day. My flavor will be grape. Um, grape mainly because, well, not, not just any grape. It has to be the purple grape, not the green grape. Okay. Sorry. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, because there's both. So purple grape and purple, you know, it has three things that really 
connect with me is independence, being an only child, and I kind of like being independent. Creativity, making music, and exploring. I just, I mean, using your mind to create something, I think, is one of the best things to do. And um, ambition, I think. Everybody has some sort of ambition to achieve some type of goal. So Cool. Um, my flavor that I picked is mint chocolate chip uh, because I'm a huge chocoholic. And, um, chocoholic? Chocoholic, yeah, man. <laughs> I love my chocolate. Thing I, I never heard of that before. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, the chocolate chips, it's because uh, it kind of like I stay to my roots and my roots are very important to me. It's very important where I came from and uh, always to represent that place. Um, being Lahore, Pakistan, shout out to Punjab and the mint, because you know, the mint always gives you like this, this fresh flavor. It's, um, you know, it's surprising. And I like to be, um, you know, ambiguous. I like to be out of the blue. I like to, um, you know, explore different things. And that's what I want to do with this podcast is really like talk to people that I wouldn't normally talk to and hear them out and hear their stories and see where they're coming from. I'm a mint chocolate chip. It's kind of off the radar, but, um, I brought up the topic of Chipotle. And um, why I came up with Chipotle? Well, has it ever occurred to you that when you go to Chipotle that sometimes they can be a little stingy with everything? Like they might give you a little bit of rice, a little Always. bit of meat. Really? It, it bothers me, with man. With the meat? It bothers me so bad, man. I guess with the meat, not with the other stuff. But I don't know. Sometimes they do. Like I mean, some, I mean there's been plenty of times I had to ask for extra rice, you know, extra, extra, extra beans. But... <laughs> I mean, that's just me personally, but it's just like, I feel as though, you know, if I'm paying for chicken or steak or whatever the case is, like, why can't you fill my bowl up? You know, (laughs) you know, this, I don't, I don't, you're treating it as the dollar menu, you know, like give me my $8 worth of steak or my $7 worth of chicken. Get this man a steak. I just want my steak, Come on. But it just bothers me. I mean, I don't know if anybody else feels like that, but I just feel as though sometimes they have a habit of doing that and hurts. Would you say Quidoba or Chipotle? I still take Chipotle. I've always been a Chipotle fan, but they're the same thing. The- I heard that there was um, what was it? They Chipotle was supposedly causing some type of disease. A few well, today. there was like the oh, salmonella yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, they use a lot of like organic yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, it's too heavy. I don't know how you guys. But eat you it. should like it, sauce man. Oh, I love yes. the sauce man. <laughs> I love it. What's your What's your favorite sauce? You call yourself the what sauce? Were you saying sauce kid or sauce king? Sauce kid. Sauce kid? Yeah, mm-hmm. man. It, it was just random. What's, what's your favorite sauce? <laughs> favorite sauce. Oh, man. That's pretty hard, man. I'll probably have to say, like, honey barbecue, maybe. Yeah? Yeah, man. Like, I can, like, pretty much use that with everything. That's just the sauce, <laughs> man. It's just, like, the duck natural sauce. sauce to me. Yeah. So, like, duck sauce is my thing. What's duck, duck sauce? It's duck sauce, if you have Chinese. Like, oh. The yum yum sauce? No, no, no. It's not yum. It's not yum. It's like, it's like soupy. Yeah, it's like sort of like a sweet taste. It's all right. Guys, uh, I recently saw Get Out. You know what that is? Yeah. I do. I haven't seen it yet. So my brother got us advanced screening tickets for it. Let me tell you right now, this movie will blow you away. Really? Yes. Oh. You know, like... I'm excited. You know, like when uh, you go on like a roller coaster, you like you're in line for it and you see people coming off of it and they're just, your faces are like what just happened and you're just looking at them that's how everybody in the theater was after we left the movie like wow. it will make you feel all time i haven't seen a movie like like this like bizarre i watch a lot of movies but like this was just crazy and i'll say one thing like if you're white 
this movie will feel make you feel uncomfortable. Good. Like really? people sitting next to me. Good. Yes. Wow. You know. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, it started. just caught me off guard. Like it's Listen. usually like. Know. You know, like you know, uh, the trailer Jordan, like it's crazy, but I still don't understand what what is going on. I'm not, and I'm not gonna say anything about it. Yeah, you know Jordan Peele from Key and Peele. Yeah, so he made this movie, and you know how he's always touchy on like racy stuff. Mm-hmm. They always like you know m- mess with all that kind of stuff. This like really is edgy and like now is this the one where they're doing like hypnosis kind of thing? Yeah, I'm actually taking someone, and I've been. Wa- I mean, I was gonna go either way. Because this this trailer is crazy. Mm, taking yeah, I do want to see it. Who you taking? Who you taking home, boy? <laughs> yeah, it's a secret. Ooh. If she was white, and what you just said, I probably would have bailed. That would be really funny. Yeah. So, there's. Have you guys ever heard of South by Southwest in yeah. Austin, Texas? Yeah. It's a whole month. They have like music week and like games, uh, movies, all, all types of stuff. So I have it's a, a friend. Festival. Yeah. But it's also a good thing for connections as well okay. to connect with people. I mean, there could be managers, people from labels. If you're for the music week, I have a friend that's performing. He taught me how to DJ. He's performing multiple times there. I've been trying. I'm gonna be completely honest. I've been trying to get a fake to go there, and nobody will help me get this fake. You just gotta find someone that looks like you. This whole week, I've been really oh. pushing people. Like I feel so mm-hmm. bad, but. I Richard, mean, get this man a fake. I do, I do my best, man. I yeah, know a couple people. Maybe <laughs> trying to like I I I needed to order it like this week, and now my time is just running out. So yeah. it's kind of a bummer, but that's what what's been going on with me lately. Um, Dude. I mean, for me, what's been going on with me lately is actually, um, there was a surprise call for me while I was at work the other day. This is kind of sad, but where um, do you work? I am actually a hairstylist, so Ooh. I was busy doing hair, and um, my my dad actually called and said that my grandfather had suffered from a stroke, so my entire family, basically my entire family came to the hospital, and we all um, saw my grandfather, and it was it was weird because the, the day before, he was totally fine, and then um, he just... All of a sudden, during his surgery, he had too much blood going through his brain, and um, then he could not, he lost the ability to speak. But the reason why I'm saying this is because I actually think that, um, I don't know, it was kind of like a very moving experience. I really felt like family, no matter how separate you can feel with them, they kind of all come together in times of tragedy. So yeah. it wound up being like a good I mean, not good, but kind of a good moment for my family. And my grandfather is going to be okay. So that was my week. (laughs) I'm sorry that that like happened. Tragedies, oftentimes, uh, even death, like bring people closer together. And that's that's the beauty of life. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, mm-hmm. that's what you guys got to get out of it. Yeah, because um, actually my grandmother passed last April. And um, it was just once like the funeral and everything like so many of my family members came like people i haven't spoke to in so long or like i haven't seen in so long like just came together mm-hmm. it was just like it was crazy like you you never realize like even like something as tragic as death can bring so many mm-hmm. people together and they just we've been staying so close ever since it's like not, it's a sad experience but it's a moving experience as mm-hmm. well it, like really touched me you know, taking that and uh, applying it to our podcast, I hope that we can 
also be moved by other stories and situations um i hope to, that we can send laugh your together. stories send your stories <laughs> um you know if you know anybody interesting um or that has somebody that has a new perspective has done something significant or you know um that needs needs a voice out there uh let us know um and and we would love to have them on this podcast um so on today's podcast we have matt Teitelbaum, who is a political science and mass communications double major at Towson University. Um, he's the president of College Democrats of Maryland. And most importantly, he wrote an op-ed which went viral and was featured in primetime news interview on Fox News uh, about Milo Yiannopoulos. Um, and he said that I'm a liberal and I want him on my campus. Everybody welcome Matt Teitelbaum. And make love to him. Matt, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. So Excited to be here. Uh, yeah, you've been getting a lot of attention recently. Yeah. What's that like? It's uh, it's weird. It's weird if you've never really done something like that before. Uh, you know, in the past, I'd written some op-eds for Huffington Post, and like the last one before this that uh, got the most engagement had like 400 likes on Facebook, which was cool. But this one, after the first week, it had been up at 54,000. Wow. So it, it really blew up. And that's just the number of likes. Obviously, a lot more people read it. I like to think that more people read it that didn't like it than liked it because it was pretty controversial. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it surprised me. I wasn't expecting to get that much attention. And since you're like this younger guy, um, is it hard? Like, are people taking you um, as seriously as you wish to be? Is it hard to be a young, say, politician? Uh, you know, people who know me definitely know that I'm pretty serious about this stuff. Like, I think people were excited for me because the people who knew me personally knew I could handle what was going on. That I've been ready for a primetime interview, I think, for a little while now because I've been involved in politics. You know, it took me a while to get to be the leader of the state chapter of College Democrats. So uh, I didn't really feel like I wasn't being taken seriously. There were there were a lot of people that were mad at me, but uh, they took me seriously in their own way, you know. Well, when you were on Fox News, I mean, was it hard to get your voice in, or do you think you were given sort of a fair chance? Um, I know it can be hard when the anchor sort of has their own um, agenda, and then you're trying to really push your own values. Yeah, you know, going into it, I thought about, like, I hope Tucker doesn't run me over. I hope the host doesn't just... Mm -hmm pummel me but the thing is i didn't feel too nervous going into it because i had the idea that he pretty much agreed with what i'd written so i would have been a lot more nervous if i'd had to engage in like a real debate although i did kind of have this idea i was like okay this is fox news so he might kind of go after the fact that i'm a liberal and try to ask me questions where maybe my answers might imply that all liberals are what i described in the op-ed as the regressive left and i i had a feeling he would do that he kind of did so my responses you know, were focused on, you could tell I'd kind of practiced some of my responses, even though I didn't have the questions ahead of time, I still thought, what's he going to ask me? So I really pummeled home that message of like, it's a small minority of people that I'm criticizing of, of violent rioters of, of essentially what people call snowflakes, you know, of that stereotype <laughs> that does exist, but in smaller what's number. A, what's the snow, what's the exact definition of like the snowflake? I mean, basically, the idea of the snowflake, it's something that a lot of conservatives will use to make fun of liberals, especially college-aged liberals. And the idea is you're a snowflake because, A, you think you're special, you think the rules don't apply to you, just like snowflakes are all unique. 
But more importantly, snowflakes are delicate and they're dainty and they melt the second they touch the ground. And it's the idea that you can be, you know, set off or triggered or just get so upset over something like Milo, which at the end of the day is technically just offensive speech, although some people call it hate speech. And one of the things that I wanted to do with what I wrote and with my interview was show people like, hey, I'm in college, I'm a liberal, and I'm able to handle this stuff. I'm not a snowflake. And also, I would make one quick point, a little jab at the president. By definition of what snowflake is, Donald Trump is the biggest snowflake yeah. ever. I want to write another op-ed called Donald Trump is technically the biggest snowflake. I, <laughs> so I would definitely have to agree with that. that. Yeah. You're writing articles that you know are going to go viral. Yeah, I want to do stuff that's controversial. Because, I mean, look, the, the Milo thing... I knew it was a little provocative. I didn't think it would explode, but I had a feeling like it was the the best thing I'd written up to that point. Like if something is going to explode, it's going to be this because being controversial is one of the best ways to get attention. And of course I want attention. I mean, I'm not going to deny that. But did, did Milo react to this? He did actually. He did. He uh, posted about it on his Facebook page. He said something like, Matt, I loved this. I'd love to chat with you sometime. Uh, I never did get in touch with him. Yeah. Um, I never did actually invite him to campus. A lot of people wanted to know us uh, in some mm. cases for security reasons. And well, would you be able for... to? Um, at this point, no. At this point, definitely not after what okay. happened to him. I think that uh, he's been disinvited from another number of events after the comments he made about statutory rape. I've seen yeah. that in the news. That, that, that was... really... Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting what happened with that. So when he made those comments, people came at me and we're like, oh, Matt, so do, do you feel like like an idiot now? Do you feel mm. because you were defending? And I said, no, 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 that proved my point. My point was that if you riot or you try to silence this guy, he gets bigger. And that's what happened after the riots at UC Berkeley. He got a book deal. He became famous because of those riots. But if you talk to him, which is what Joe Rogan was doing when he when they had that debate about statutory rape and, and uh, pedophilia, if you talk to him, he's going to kind of hang himself with the rope you give him. And you can beat him with a better argument. And I agree with some of the stuff he says. I felt a little uneasy about what happened to him with that whole situation. I felt like he was maybe treated slightly unfairly. But at the end of the day, what he said was really dumb. It was just not right. Would you um, be okay with him getting more publicity and notice from the media and just regular people? That's a lot of what sort of uh, the the comments, the negative comments that you were getting is that um, you know, you're giving him more attention. So and yeah, he sorta he sorta came up out of nowhere. Like Yeah, I never heard of him until until all this started. So I didn't even know that this was Well, well you heard of him after the riots. See, that's the thing. Again, back to my yeah. point, is that you heard about him because he triggered people. He got people so upset that they reacted violently and tried to censor him. And that's what made him famous. And again, when people said, Matt, you're giving this guy a platform, I said, yes, but it's because I want to beat him. It's because I want myself or somebody else with my kind of views to debate him and beat him with an argument. Because I don't think it's fair to silence somebody you disagree with. I think it's fair to bring a better argument to the table. Okay, That's so now then if you had him, if you uh, took him up on his offer and you sat down with him, he said mm-hmm. he really wants to meet you. Sure. Uh, what would that debate go like? I would take him to task for a few things that I really disagree with him on. And, you know, I'd probably, like I do with anyone that I disagree with, first I'd start off with common ground. I'd say, hey, you know, Milo, you've said things that are legitimate about political correctness and about outrage culture that I appreciate because I think that is a problem. But there are things that I disagree with you on. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind was he uh, has very conservative views on gender identity. 
And I get that, but the thing that really gets me is that he actually singled out an individual trans student and kind of bullied her and belittled her at a, it was University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, I think. Which, which confuses a lot of people because a lot of uh, arguments that people make is like, okay, well, this guy is gay. Um, why does he have such a problem with other people and how they identify? Like, is that is that a problem to you? Um, I think it's interesting. I mean, you can't deny that it's kind of fascinating to see this f feminine gay man being so, I don't even know if conservative is the right word. I mean, just mm. so A huge Trump supporter as well. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that's the part that really confuses me. And then know? people link him with white supremacists a lot, which he has, which he denies. And, um, and so it's, it's very confusing for people, yeah. you know, all of these different things. And I think um, it's, again, if he was on the campus on anybody's campus and talking about you know what he stands for i think i don't know it might clarify a little bit more what he's going towards because mm -hmm. you just kind of hear it from other people and it really really is confusing even for us sitting right here nothing um, confuses me more than hearing people call this gay jew a nazi and i got called a nazi sympathizer and i'm jewish i mean it was it was the most bizarre thing for people to call him that. I mean, he's made a point of this because I've watched some of his speeches on YouTube and he makes a point of saying Nazis hate me <laughs> because he's, again, a gay Jewish guy uh, and naturally they kind of despise him. Um, so no, he's he's not a Nazi. I wouldn't have invited a Nazi to campus. Uh, he also uh, speaks um, often on the behalf of women. Um, mm -hmm. He doesn't he doesn't believe in the pay gap. Mm. Um and then against also feminism, he thinks, he's against a lot of those things. Where do you stand on that kind of stuff? I think that he really overcorrects on on feminism because he, here's my ba basic view. Feminism is a good movement. It's a movement for equality for women. But in the third wave, the most modern incarnation of it, there have been some I mean, frankly, just some some inconsistencies or some lies. If I'm going to get really straight up with you with things like the pay gap, he happens to be right about that. Now, I do want to go out on a limb and say, he's wrong when he says that feminism is like a man-hating cult. Like, that's overcorrection. That's him going nuts and going on his own little rant. I don't think feminism is a man-hating cult. I would describe myself as a feminist at the end of the day. But he is technically right. He really does bring in solid facts um, derived from, I think, uh, Christina Hoff Summers, uh, who I was talking with you about uh, earlier, about how the pay gap is there's conflicting evidence on whether it really is 77 cents to the dollar on the pay gap. It, it's not, that's not a solid finding that that's the case. So, I mean, do you think that there are issues with how women are dealt with versus men? Or, I mean, aside from the pay gap thing, because that's not, you know, feminism isn't just the pay gap, which is... Sure. I mean, I think that there are, you know, genuine inequities. I think that there are general attitudes towards women that are unfair. Some people don't take them seriously in certain industries or whatever. And that there's also issues with reproductive rights. I'm very pro-choice, very supportive of women's reproductive rights. I want them to have uh, access to cheap and affordable uh, contraceptives. I think there are some legitimate women's issues. I just wish that the statistics were right. So when people say women make 77 cents on the dollar, and I immediately go, that doesn't sound right. I don't even know how that would happen. Do, do you know what the exact statistic is? Just curious. It, that's the one that they claim. And the one that uh, Christina Hoff Summers or Milo would bring up, somebody who's disputing the pay gap, is it's closer to like 96 cents, which uh, is still less but it's it, it sort of within a margin of error where anything could really account for four cents on the dollar, whereas 23 cents, that's a huge gap 
that is and that adds up over time depending on it could but yeah, the, that's a good that's a good point well the thing is though again it's in the margin of error so you know the statistic could like it could really be that it's almost even and then in that particular survey they were like four cents off because because statistics mm-hmm. they vary that's getting into like math and stuff but but now a, a lot of this article i mean the reason that you wrote this and a lot of what you believe goes after free speech and mm-hmm. uh, in the interview you said you know i will defend anybody's right to say uh whatever and so where where you know what's the limit there when when do you say you know the this person should not be able to say this, for example, things like, you know, the N word or, mm-hmm. you know, people just saying incorrect statistics that aren't true. And they're given this platform um, where they're not debatable, essentially, yeah. for example, Donald Trump being in such a high power. And if he's addressing the country and saying, you know, 100 percent of uh, these people did this and then nobody really has the power to debate him. Um, is the, I mean, is there a limit to the free speech? Yeah, that's a really excellent question. And it's one of the things that I've explored since my article came out is just sort of like, what's the limit to free speech? And there are some constitutional limits. There's stuff you obviously can't do. You can't say bomb on an airplane. You can't yell fire in a crowded building. There's pragmatic stuff like that. And then the line for me, if you want me to draw a clear line in the sand, is if you are threatening violence or advocating violence, like specifically saying like, oh, let's go beat up uh, this group of people or, you know, let's go chop off this group of people's heads. I mean, that's a limit that I would draw that I would say that is not really speech. It's threats, which if I think they, is in a whole if other they category. directly say that. Yes. If they're if it's an implication that you have to really sort of search for and that may be interpreted differently, because some people may say that it is implying violence. Some people may say that it's not. I mean, you're allowed to say horrible things. One of the things the way that free speech works is that you have to defend speech you don't like so do i like when nazis speak no but do they have a right to say horrible wrong things they do technically would i invite a nazi onto my campus no because milo was not a nazi despite what people will say so Um, does the alt-right um is that how you say the the group yeah so are they like totally against milo they're weird. I mean, I don't really fully understand well, a lot the of them, alt-right. A lot of them like my. A lot of them like him. A lot of them don't. I think that the alt-right, here's my understanding of the alt-right. It's like a bisected movement because you've got one half that is actually like neo-Nazi, skinhead, whatever. And then yeah. you've got another half that just kind of trolls on the internet That's that what like I was Milo. Thinking. Do you is think it, a lot of people like just troll, just tried to start an argument just because of it? Because I feel like that's a lot of what's going on. They don't even necessarily believe in what they're saying. They're just saying it because it's a, the opposing argument. Yeah, I think that that is about half of the alt-right. Like, again, mm-hmm. I think a lot, a lot of it is just genuine hateful and they, they hate mm-hmm. Milo, people that don't want gay or, or Jewish or whatever, which he is. But then I think there's another half that just love him because he's such a provocative person, because he's such an uh, kind of a jerk. He's kind of an a-hole. I don't even think he would dispute that. And I think they like that about him because they're kind of jerks. They're trolls. They're trying to get a rise out of people. He's the ultimate troll. So it has like no filter, you know? Yeah. He wanted to kick uh, fat people out of the country. Yeah, which you don't know if that was a joke or not. But like that's one of those provocative comments that he makes that that I'll chuckle at, even though I think it's horrible. I mean, you're you know, you might chuckle at. I mean, do you do you do you think maybe it's an act? That's what I think. Do you, I mean some parts of it maybe? Do you think that maybe it's an act? A oh, lot he, of... he's part comedian. I think part of it is like a farce. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that he would even admit that. I think he's even said that. That like he's part comedian, part legitimate political commentary. But but the problem with being part comedian and part so serious is that you know when when he says something that's 
extremely controversial and people like like Richard Spencer who is a you know the leader of the art right I guess something like that he's like um, a real neo nazi like yeah so so he neo-Nazi. gets like people like him get excited off of what Milo's saying and that's where you're saying you know somebody might not directly say go kill these people but if if people like him get excited off something that Milo says is that somewhat dangerous you know if it were me I'm somebody who's careful with my words I try to think of you know, my words having consequences. But frankly, if you're a performer of sorts, you're a comedian, I don't know if the onus is on you for how people interpret your words. As long as, I guess I'd put it this way. I think when Milo's joking, it's pretty obvious. I don't think it's hidden. And I think that's how comedy is supposed to be. And I think he is part comedian in what he does, uh, albeit very raunchy and defensive comedian. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, comedians, you can tell when they're joking. So if you take what they're saying when they're telling a joke seriously that's on you that's you Mm -hmm. interacting with the joke wrong i mean also personally the thing is when i see comedians and like you know people that are doing both comedy and politics right so i think of a lot of like the late shows bill Um, maher yeah bill maher uh trevor noah people like that and then i can tell when they are being serious and being funny but the the difference is that uh you know, Milo is not on shows like this, and he's on. And it's all also big... kind of harder to tell when he's. That's what I'm being saying. Serious, yeah. you know, it's, he's on the biggest, you know, news networks, and he's he's not on these late shows. So we're not. When you're watching one of these um, news shows, you're not looking for comedy. He was actually on Bill Maher, though. Was he okay? That was the first time I ever like saw him and heard about him. So yeah. I mean, he was cracking some jokes. On, I mean, it's Bill Maher, so right. I mean, he was, but. Yeah, it's kind of harder to tell with him, and you never never really know. Yeah, th- that's probably true, that with Milo, it's harder to tell, because the, the serious statements are seem so outrageous. When he says feminism is a man-hating cult, which I think he actually believes that. I don't even know if that's a joke. And then he'll say something like, I want all the fat people banned from America, which I think is a joke. I don't think it's a legitimate policy he uh, believes in. He's trying to uh, promote health, is what he said. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I, I think that with something like that, it's kind of like, well, performers and commentators, again per freedom of speech, they are permitted to say whatever they want. Now, there are consequences for their words. And so, like, when he said what he said about statutory rape, he lost his book deal. He lost his job. He lost a speaking engagement. That's okay. That we can do. But What exactly is his job? He was an editor at Breitbart. Uh, They call it Breitbart News, but I don't know how legitimate I want (laughs) to... It's not... It's it's pretty far-right stuff. I don't even think they would dispute that. Uh, It's it's pretty biased, Breitbart. Like, very, very biased. So he was an editor for a far-right news organization. So that I get, though. It's like there are consequences for your words, and he's accountable for that, just like I or, or any of you are. But the idea that he shouldn't be able to say them to begin with and just take the consequences as they come, that I'm not okay with. I think you're able, to, you're allowed to say whatever you want up until you threaten violence. I mean, that's, that's just that's how it's got to work. You know, freedom of speech is at its best when it's protecting unpopular ideas. At one point, abolition abolition of slavery that was an unpopular idea that was something where people would shout blasphemy at you if you said that and because freedom of speech allowed people to keep advocating that view uh at one point to say i remember when it was very odd when you told people you were for gay gay rights they would give you a funny look like you were some kind of weirdo in a matter of years yeah in a matter of years and that was an unpopular opinion so it's kind of see how it's a two-way street is how if you start censoring milo because his opinions are unpopular that can work against you by the same logic, if you're saying something that is right, like like I fully believe that marriage equality is right, somebody, you know, 10, 20, certainly 50 years ago could have said, well, that's crazy talk. You shouldn't be able to say that. 
So, you know, you got to you got to have it be a two way street. Now, with Trump taking down the uh, gay rights movement page and like the global warming, Mm -hmm. what do you think? Like with Milo being gay and supporting him, like to me, that's just very confusing. Like, I feel like he would be offended because he did that. Yeah, well, I mean, I would point out, I mean, Bill Maher, I'll credit him with pointing this out, but I would agree wholeheartedly, him being for free speech and being for Donald Trump, who has tried very, very hard to not only disrespect the press, but make the press illegitimate by calling them fake news, by calling them the enemy of the American people, the free press, Donald Trump called them. That is an anti-free speech thing to do. And Milo, as a free speech warrior, I'll be the first person to say, that's a weird view. Actually, and to be fair again, I wasn't the first person. Bill Maher said that first. I don't want to be one of these people. It's like, oh, I said it first because I didn't. But, uh, you know, I, I agree with Bill on a lot of things, and I definitely agree with him on that. Milo, believe me, I'll be the first to admit, Milo says things that are wrong. He says things that are contradictory. But the reason, the thing that made me famous for five minutes was just this, saying he says things that are wrong, he says things that are contradictory, but he has the right to say those things. What are your thoughts on him uh personally like how we were talking about um with the things that he was talking about gay rights so okay. he said 100 percent of muslims probably opposed w- to get 100 percent. that just sounds like a fake statistic and it was like a very high number he said 92 percent want okay. them dead or something like that and I'm, I'm just wondering where he's getting this stuff from and it's just like you know is anything that he says credible after he's saying things like you know using numbers like 100 percent. i mean me sitting here as a muslim it's like um you know, I don't, I don't care if yeah, and that you're automatically gay. Like makes that's ninety nine percent. And I mean, I know for a fact I'm not the only one. So it's it's really confusing to hear things like that. Yeah, no, I mean, some of the things he says are wrong. The thing about statutory rape, I mean, that was mind blowing to see somebody try to justify that. Which again, I understand he was sort of rationalizing his own abuse, and I do have some sympathy for that. But it's still what he said was wrong. And on Muslims, I think he says awful things about Muslims. I think he says things that misrepresent. He does not differentiate between, I mean, as far as he's concerned, it's like he doesn't differentiate between extremism, ISIS, and you're, and an everyday nominal Muslim like yourself. Well, that's where <laughs> he, I and, get confused when you were saying, you know, like he's be, he's half joking because Joe Rogan asked him, um, you know, what's your solution? What should we do? And he goes, deport all of them and let them kill themselves. And it's like, I don't like because you just said that that was, you know, he's being half funny now i'm considering like oh was that a joke or is does he actually believe that so that's where i'm saying like i, I, guess, I guess it's hard to and tell like him they follow him yeah i guess it's hard to tell sometimes with a comment like i mean if he said let them all kill themselves i'm gonna assume that was a, at least somewhat of a joke i hope so because it you know it's it's a it's a crazy thing to say and I, so i guess i would kind of assume that he was joking uh well, he, he said he liked that um you know we went into iraq and uh like made it a hellhole and now there there's terrorist organizations that are you know killing each other and that's what he meant by you know let them kill themselves i guess that sounds like something he was saying to get a rise out of people and again it's is it horrible yes is it reprehensible yes does it make me uncomfortable hell yes but at the end of the day like i keep saying you're allowed to say horrible horrible things even on joe rogan's podcast it's uh and you're accountable for those words again you're accountable for those things socially when he said what he said about statutory rape and pedophilia that crossed a line for a lot of people um and i get that completely because those comments were awful yeah i like that that somebody would be accountable for it that's yeah but you're not accountable for it legally because you're allowed to say it legally so that's just how that works is the government 
lets you say horrible things because what's horrible is subjective because you know what unfortunately there's going to be a lot of people that hear what he says about muslims and they clap they believe it. I mean, we don't know how much of the country that is at this point. I mean, look, we, we didn't expect Donald Trump to get so popular. We thought he was saying things that were beyond the pale. They weren't. He got about half the country to vote for him. I know he lost the popular vote, but it was close. It was about, I think, 46% of the popular vote went People to him. like him, no doubt. Yeah. Now, so it's, yeah. Uh, what I would like to add is on the subject of Muslims, um, American Muslim of Pakistani descent, this name is kind of hard to say, Yusjid Hamid, a fellow mm-hmm. Towson student, he sort of like I don't know. Have you heard Ushid. of him? I know Ushid, Yeah, he's, like, he's yeah. Like he had like the same basically. The title is yours. Um, I'm a liberal, but I do not want him on. Yeah. What is your reaction from his article? Um, I don't remember. You know, I, I I I I'll say this. There was a lot of criticism of my article, and it was hard to differentiate after a while exactly whose criticism said what. Generally, the message that I got, and I kind of wrote something about this. My last Huffington Post. Uh, op-ed about privilege was about how a lot of people said to me well matt you know as like a cis white guy you can't be the one to invite milo because you're not a group that is targeted by him and my reaction to that is like you're basically saying that because of my privilege my argument on free speech is invalid and i wrote this in my last op-ed which is that my argument for free speech was based on the constitution it was based on facts and logic it had nothing to do with the only thing that privilege says you lack, which is when you have privilege, you lack deeply personal experience. I don't need deeply personal experience with being trans, with being whatever, to understand free speech. So when I said Milo has a right to speak, this criticism that I'm saying that from a position of privilege, I didn't see that as a valid criticism because I, I don't, I don't know. It, it seemed like, basically, it almost seems like people just saying like, oh, well, you're a white guy, so your opinion is invalid, mm. which is like, I guess I get that if I was talking about, if I don't know, if I said something that seemed to imply that I know what it's like to be a minority or women, but a woman, but I didn't imply that. I would never imply that. I'm a white guy. <laughs> like, I, I can't. Is that, is that annoying too? Because I see a lot like, um, of these situations going on where like, especially the white male now, mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of white males feel like they're being attacked at this point and they feel like, you know, that uh, they should be offended about a lot of things. I yeah. remember we had a protest at Towson University um, about you know Donald Trump as the president, and it was kind of an open mic thing. People were coming up and saying things, oh, and then it was like it was a mixed crowd, and then it was people saying things like, "We need white people to step up," and then there was also people saying, um, "And this is minorities, um, you know, white people." Uh, this is all your fault. And it's like oh, yeah. another, uh, I'll um, point out one other thing about that protest was that there was a, um, you know, there was a lot of people using crazy language and stuff being very emotional. And if that's what the purpose of the protest was, if, you know, you just want to talk about how you feel, cool, it did that. But then people were saying, you know, F you if you voted for Trump and F this, F that. And then yeah. at one point this guy came up and he was like, F you too. And he was a Trump he got supporter. Nasty. He got Yeah. And they like removed him. And this is where I like what you said, uh, because I feel like he should have been brought up and given the mic and then been able to say why he voted for him and, you know, how he feels, what his perspective is. And then at the same time, everybody else that wants to talk, they can go up and say, here's where we're coming from. And this is how Donald Trump has affected my life. And that way it's a conversation rather than let's kick out all the Trump supporters and let's only keep these people and let's hate them from here and they can hate us from there. And there's nothing being done besides a bunch of angry people. So they probably I mean, wanted to like you know keep the peace so another not another UC Berkeley thing happened. Because if you yeah. think like if he went up there and spoke his mind 
and a lot of people disagreed. Who knows what happened? You know, there, there could have been someone that jumps up there and attacks him or starts well, that throwing happened. things. That happened, though. That was the immediate reaction where when, when he came up and he said, you know, F you too, immediately a few people went over and started threatening to beat him up. And, you know, officers I think they did got have involved. to escort him, yeah. Yeah, so all I'm saying is, like, um, if we were a little bit... If somebody had gone up to the mic and said, you know, we should welcome him and we should let him speak as you did, um, you know, that we don't know yeah. what kind of conversation that could have created. It could have been any It any means outcome. a lot to people. Had one of the people, instead of saying, you know, we need white people to step up, this is all your fault, which is very condescending, by the way, to the, what, like 30 to 40% of white people who didn't vote for Trump. And it's also condescending to the people who did, who don't consider themselves the implication of that statement, which is that they're racist or something. Um, it, it would mean a lot to the whole country. If instead of saying things like that and being unproductive, you did something that you alluded to, which is something that I obviously advocate for, which is have that guy sit down with the person who basically told him to go F himself and have a real conversation about this is why I supported Donald Trump. And it has nothing to do with taking away your rights. I guarantee you he's not going to sit there and say, I supported him because I'm racist. I don't right. think a lot of people would say that. He's going to tell you how he felt about maybe some economic issues, maybe about some immigration issues um, or whatever. And then the other person says, okay, well, this is how I feel when Donald Trump says something like, you know, the Mexicans are bringing rapists and drugs and you vote for him. This is how I feel when Donald Trump says he wants to stop Muslim immigration and you vote for him is that, you know, and they can have, it, it turns into a conversation, which is what I advocate for is people need to sit down and instead of trying to score points, which is, that's what I think that is, is when they say, uh, F you, if you voted for Trump, that's so that everybody claps for them. Yeah, on a liberal college campus. Do you feel like when you are when someone heavily disagrees with you and you try to have a conversation with them, do you feel like you get anywhere? Because I feel like a lot of these snowflakes, as you describe them, (laughs) they don't have they they're not going to listen. They don't want to listen, and I don't feel like there's any point in trying to even discuss it with them because then it's just going to start another brawl. So, so, like this kid who stood up, like was it even? Was there even a point for him to have the mic? Because it probably would have still been another argument that was never going to be resolved. Like, what do you feel about that? That's a really good point. And my response would be that it it takes a certain amount of tact to talk about tough issues. I consider myself to be the type of person who, one of my skills, I've got my flaws and I've got my skills. One of my skills is that I can talk about pretty much any issue without pissing someone off because i know how to have tact i respect people's views i'm pro-choice i can talk to a person who's pro-life without making them feel bad about their views i'm uh, pro-gay i can talk to somebody who supports the more traditional sense of marriage between a man and a woman without accusing them of being a homophobe if you approach somebody respectfully and you make it very clear that you respect their views and then they still won't talk to you and that does happen sometimes that's what I call a lost cause. You, you, you are allowed to disengage from certain people. And I disengaged from some people on Facebook. I unfriended some people, to be frank. Because <laughs> with some people, I would approach them rationally and very respectfully. And I would listen to what they had to say. And I would talk on the merits of their argument and the merits of mine. No, but, and they would now, go this crazy. Is, this is about you, though, and how you would deal with it. And I think what Danny was almost getting at is that, you know, the group, the, the mob mentality where, like, if that guy went up, do you feel like maybe he would have been booed so much that he wouldn't have even gotten a word in and same thing with milo had you invited him to your campus you're the only one that's wanting to debate him but then you don't have you know necessarily the same platform 
to be the only one up there debating yeah. him. Do you think you know that gets in the way this whole mob mentality thing? I would say really great the best conversations the most convincing conversations i've had look i'll put it this way i've gotten people to change their political positions on certain issues most notably with gay marriage i remember debating people on that you know back before gay marriage was legal and changing a lot of minds and it was always in a one-on-one -on -one conversation usually without an audience one-on-one -on -one conversations about tough issues where you respect each other's views without an audience so you're not trying to impress anybody you're not trying to make the other person look stupid so that you can you know, look morally superior, which is what is happening when they try to get everyone to clap for them by saying F Trump supporters. Those one-on-one -on -one conversations are what we need more of in this country. That's what I advocate for, is people just talk, even if you find someone's views repugnant, I find a lot of Milo's views repugnant, I still kind of want to talk to the guy. Because if I can get him to change his mind on one thing, even a little bit, that's a victory. And if he, if he gets my mind changed on even one thing, that's a victory. Uh, that means I have a more refined viewpoint on something. Now, I doubt Milo would change my mind on much things because, again, I find his, a lot of his views, views horribly wrong. But you know what? I'm open-minded. <laughs> I'll yeah. talk to anyone, even people I think are terribly, terribly wrong. It does seem, however, like a lot of Trump supporters, and you could say the same for Bernie and Hillary, are sort of a lost clause where they just can't mm. mend in between. But I do think, like, with Trump, he's sort of influenced conservatives and Republicans to, like, what I say is right and what I say goes, and I don't want to hear anything you have to say. And we've already seen it with him firing people that, you know, don't want to abide to his policies already. So it's sort of hard to even find enough people that would be willing to mend and listen to a person that supports the opposite party. Yeah, I think one of the reasons, that's a really good point, that we're getting more divided and less yeah. able to have these conversations. That's kind of something I implied on the air with Tucker. That's something that I've been saying. And I'm trying to pull us back out of that. I mean, I, I think that that's, that's a mendable situation, that this election divided us really badly to the point where we don't want to talk to people. We're getting rid of people on our Facebook feed who have opposing views. Um, I think it was like this even before Trump yeah, ran. Yeah, he it's, just it's, sort of brought it to light. It's ever been. Yeah. And I, I want to, I, I'm basically telling people, uh, you know, toughen up and, and get to work. Talk to people. Have the hard conversations. Do your best to be respectful. If you fail, you fail. But the moment, the moment that you have a really good conversation with, I've had good conversations with Trump supporters. The moment you have that that kind of situation arise, that feels really good. And that's really healthy for the country. And even if it's hard, because I'm not going to say it's not hard, especially these days, you have to do it. People do hard things. People stormed the beaches of Normandy and have done incredible things. You can have an, a, a healthy debate with somebody who doesn't believe what you believe. Now, with what Brandon was saying, um, a lot of this mentality, you know, of the, for example, how we were saying, like, you know, some Trump supporters saying, you know, whatever he says is correct and I'm going to abide by this. Um, this whole two-party system thing, how dangerous is that when, you know... Tucker alluded to this in my, uh, in my interview. He said, why haven't other Democratic leaders more higher ranking than a college Democrat Federation right. president came out and said this? He alluded to this idea that... Our leaders aren't giving us enough teachable moments where they where they reach out, shake hands, and say, "Here's something we can all agree on. Here's a discourse that we can all have." Um, I, I think that one of the reasons it's gotten so bad is because uh, I, I don't know. It, it's sort of, I don't know. We kind of just have this culture now 
where if you say something, if you basically concede as a Democrat that Republicans are right about anything, which I guess is kind of what I did with the Milo situation, or if you concede as a Republican that Democrats are right about everything, you get hounded by people in your own party for giving an inch and trying to find common ground. That is an unhealthy mentality. That is mob mentality. That is sick. And I was a victim of that for a short time. It was crazy the, the way that people assumed my motives, people who've known me for years, saying, Matt, you're betraying these marginalized communities, knowing how much I care about minorities and women and, and, and especially trans people, about, about knowing how much I care about these communities. I don't know. It just sets people off when you don't toe the line. And it's like it's like an illness. Like so, they, they can't mm -hmm. fathom it. What are some other things that you tend to disagree with um, from a liberal perspective that, you know, a lot of your friends, I guess, were, uh, you know, grilling you for? On most issues, I'm pretty liberal. And again, I like to think that being for free speech is also a liberal position. Well, let's That's... take Hillary, for example. Like what types of things did you not like about Hillary? Um, and on you were open policy, about? on Policy. I mean, I, I thought that she wasn't a very consistent politician, that she could have been more consistent with her views. And I always kind of questioned that about her. I didn't really see her as a very credible progressive, unlike Bernie Sanders, who I did support in the primary. But on policy, it's funny, I'm, I'm struggling to think of any particular areas where I disagree with her politics. Because uh, I mean, if you don't, you don't. I was just yeah, curious. I mean, I guess, I guess to the, be fair, a lot of my her views... emails really with most yeah. people. Well, that, and that's something I criticized. I told people that is messed up. That is a sign that she wasn't acting as though the rules applied to her in that situation. And that was another thing where people were like, Matt, don't talk about the emails. Talk about Trump more. And it's like, no, we need to talk about when our candidate screws up. And the Republicans need to talk about when Trump screws up. Just like when the Access Hollywood tapes came out and he was caught saying awful things about yeah. women. Mm. Things that implied he had... I mean, it sounded like he was bragging about assaulting women. There were Republicans, actually, that came out and said, oh, well, that's horrible. And some withdrew their support from him. And that's the kind of thing we need to do more. And I hate that it takes a, a statement like that, where you're bragging about assaulting women, to get people to that point where they're finally going to say, I'm a Republican, I can't support this. That's crazy that that's how far we have to go. I think a point. lot of Republicans, though, probably brushed it off because, I mean, it wasn't just that that he said. He said so much more. I yeah. mean, I can't even, you know, count... I mean, it got to the point where he said, like, at a rally, I could stand up and shoot somebody and I'd still be in the lead. He was right. And Hillary just had this one flaw and it, it just, it got her. And and it was just, I don't know. To me, it's just mind-boggling Well, I, I see, I have won. a different viewpoint on this. Um, I actually didn't vote, but um, I felt like while listening to the debates, Hillary, to me, seemed very... She, just everything that you've ever heard from a politician before whereas trump like i mean after you get through all his mouthy remarks against hillary he started to say things because he's not a politician that you've never heard before and um, my father actually did vote and the only reason why he voted for trump was because he was tired of politicians yeah how do you feel about that because i think the government is so corrupt and it's just i'm sick of it i don't like trump i don't like hillary i don't like any of them they're all liars and they all just they're every man for themselves <laughs> literally and they are you can't i mean that's Go ahead, Danny. No, I, I just ahead. do. I, I do not. That's <laughs> no, why. Now no, 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 you, no, no, do you see where I'm absolutely. coming from now with uh, the liberal No, 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 no. I know what you're, no, no, no. You're, you're basically saying something that as a Democrat and as a, as, a, as a sort of a youth leader right now, at least in the Democratic Party, I've been hearing a lot, which is mm -hmm. people voted for Trump because he's an outsider. 
And I would point out, well, he's also a hypocrite and a liar and perhaps an assaulter of women. Oh, totally. But perhaps, allegedly, I don't, or I don't know. He, he seemed to imply it with some of his statements. But, but I understand the desire for an outsider because insider politics, uh, you know, has really, really hurt this nation. Politicians that only think about themselves. I just wish that it wasn't Donald Trump who was our outsider. Oh, I, I liked Bernie Sanders because although he's a U.S. senator, he wasn't your typical politician. He seemed credible. He seemed honest, even if you disagree with his politics. He seemed like one of the most sincere out of, yes. the, out of the bunch. Like, yes. Like mm-hmm. you could really, like for me, I could really feel like, like, oh, this guy's really watching out for me because a lot of politicians, I feel like, you know, are more watching out for their family. I mean, let, let's be honest, but... To me, Bernie was um, the biggest thing uh, a lot of people said is that he was old, but I, well, I don't know. I he wasn't too, you know, strong. Only a few years like, older than Trump. Did, didn't they say, well, this could be, I don't know if this is a rumor or not. I didn't follow too closely with it, but they said that Hillary actually paid him off. Is that true? Paid off. Does, does anyone know about of- that? There was some sort of controversy. Yeah, with there the was DNC, a controversy about that. Um, yeah, it wasn't getting rid of something. Bernie. Hillary paying off Bernie would be like a, that's some kind of conspiracy theory. What mm-hmm. happened was there were um, a, what was it? I think there was just a couple of incidences where it seemed like the DNC, which is supposed to be impartial uh, in the presidential race, was favoring her over him. And one of those was it was um, the interim chair Donna Brazile. She gave Hillary's campaign some of the debate questions ahead of time. Uh, and Debbie Wasserman Schultz, some of the people, she was the chair before Donna Brazil, and she had to resign because some of her emails that were hacked by WikiLeaks revealed that she was making statements to other people in the DNC that showed that she and others clearly, clearly the DNC favored Hillary. I mean, that that's just so incredibly obvious. And I, I was, um, it's funny, I didn't think, I had faith in the DNC. I really did trust them up until those emails came out. And then I was infuriated. And I was also infuriated, by the way. Because there were statements in those emails that suggested that they should attack Bernie because he's an atheist, which he's he's implied that he might be an atheist in some of his interviews. He's really just non-religious. But as an atheist, which I am, I was infuriated. It's not often that as an atheist, I feel attacked. You know, I don't think we're a group that is sort of maligned, but generally people keep it to themselves. Uh, but I know secretly people don't have the highest opinion of atheists, uh, at least if you look at polling. But to see somebody say that they would try to use this man's belief or lack thereof against him, something that I happen to share uh, with him, and again, I don't know if he's an atheist or not, but he's, he's close to it, um, that was... I, I was pissed. I was pissed at the DNC, and I was mad well, at my own where, party. That's why I was asking you about the two-party thing, because, yeah. I mean, essentially, Bernie is, was kind of an outsider. I mean, he was, what, like, socialist and... Um, and then what about people like Gary Johnson? Like, what, why do we have to have somebody either in the Democratic or Republican Party um, to only trust? Yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea maybe of having the third party candidates in the debates. I think that might actually be really cool. The only thing I'm afraid of, though, is that at that point you get so many candidates that like, say... Jill Stein, the Green Party candidate, was in the debates, and then she gets 5 or 10% of the vote. That all comes from the Democratic total, because she's just a candidate who is to the left of the Democrats. So at that point, you have I mean, kind of a spoiler effect. There was a lot of people effect. that said that I was, um, you know, I'm a conservative, and I couldn't vote for Donald Trump. So, so they voted for Johnson. I, I, yeah. Or, yeah. So, I mean, I would say it's from, I don't know the exact statistic, but I think it's from, you know, both sides, if they're tired of their own party. Yeah, I just don't like the idea of 
there being a spot. I guess I'm starting to think it would be interesting to have a runoff system. And this is how a runoff system would work, is that if no candidate gets 50% or more on the first uh, election, this is how it works in like France and a couple of European countries, they would eliminate all but the top two candidates and vote again. Um, and I guess the only time that would be necessary is if we started letting third party candidates into the debate and we had more of like a parliamentary system where there's multiple parties or, or more than two. Well, that's the problem. Um, People don't know about them a lot of the times because they're yeah. not on the debates and you only know who's you're watching on TV is running before that. I mean, people weren't aware of like uh, most Americans, they don't, they don't know until they see somebody on TV. Like, or like, I, I only heard about, uh, was it Gary Johnson? Yeah. Name? Because of the the whole falling out the chair with the the weed scene, pretended to have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. That was great. That was funny. Yeah. He's hilarious. Well, yeah. I've also read a thing. I don't know how true this is. I don't believe anything anymore. But it said that Trump he doesn't he was actually claiming himself as neither side of the party. But he went on to it because I guess he knew that the, this third party never generates any money to get up to the big debate you know like i i don't know like he wasn't even saying that he was claiming to be a republican or a democrat and he kind of say he's more like democrat than he is republican but he knew that he would win over the republican vote easier Mm -hmm. than if he were to run as a democrat see i think he has no political philosophy i think trump is just such a like cynical um narcissistic individual i think he just kind of like says what he thinks is going to get people riled up because you see his his views evolve so much over time and he'll have so many inconsistencies glaring inconsistencies um to where i would almost count him as i think you make an interesting point danny about how he's kind of like the first independent president of sorts because mm-hmm. it's hard to pin down his philosophy because i don't really think he has one it's what is he where's that big tax reform bill we were going to get that was going to be a conservative thing where's uh the the trade bill that we were going to get that was a big thing you know which actually his position on trade is considered quite liberal it's it's perplexing and again i think his main appeal was that he was an outsider was that he didn't seem to really be a republican or democrat he was a populist and yet he was he's so unprofessional and emotionally immature and unstable that I wish we had an outsider like him, but not him. <laughs> I wish it was somebody who had that basic profile of here's someone who's railing against these. Again, Bernie, kind of, that's what he meant to me. Is Bernie to me was here's a sitting U.S. senator actually knows how to run a country, um, who knows things about policy, who has a very consistent philosophy, has believed the same things since he was the mayor of Burlington in the 1980s. Um and the, the the fact that we didn't pick him elute, it just it baffles me that we picked him. I think Bernie would have won. So, some people say that if Hillary chose Bernie and Bernie abided to be her vice president, she would have won. You you, you really believe yeah, that? I do. I, it seemed odd at the time. I will admit that uh, when she was picking her running mate, I thought it would would be weird if she picked Bernie or somebody from that wing of the party, like say Elizabeth Warren. But in retrospect, she should have done it because Tim Kaine. I, I've heard he's a nice guy. I know people that know Tim Kaine. A lot of people say that was her um, downfall. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that was her downfall. I, I think that that was one of... I'll put it this way. Putting Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders on the ticket probably could have swung it, but there are a lot of things that could have swung it. It was a very close election. The email scandal could have swung it. If James Comey hadn't released that last letter about the email scandal, yep. it could have swung it. If it had been a different candidate, if it had been Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders, it could have swung it. If Donald Trump... Uh, 
I guess, had sort of given up at the end there when it looked like he was going to lose. And boy, did it look like he was going to lose. I certainly thought he was going to lose. And had he stopped campaigning, uh, that would have swung it. Uh, If the Republican Party had pulled all their support from Donald Trump after the Access Hollywood tapes came out, which it seemed for a little bit they might do, that would have swung it. So many different things could have swung this election. um, Do you think Democrats should have pushed more on his taxes as Republicans did with Hillary's emails? Because he still hasn't released them and now he's the president. I mean, they they pushed. (laughs) That's the thing is that we we wanted to get those documents. And there was an explosive report from the New York Times that implied that it appeared as though he hadn't paid income taxes in in many, many years. Um, And that just didn't damage him. He really was Teflon because the people that liked him were going to like him, it seemed, no matter what he did. When he said, I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and nobody would care, it sounded like a joke, but it was based in truth. I believe this it. guy can do anything and his supporters will still support him. And I guess because, not because they're bad people, I'm not one of these people that's going to say all the Trump supporters are racist, they're blah, blah, blah. No, it's because they wanted an outsider so badly. And yet I think that blinded them to his obvious flaws, the, the immaturity, the instability, the unprofessionalism, the lack of knowledge about policy. He's not a qualified person to be president. And even even with women, why do you think he got so much votes for women? Yeah, even after that thing with um, the entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Grabber, what's you know his why? name? <laughs> I, I forget. I forget his name. With Bully Bush. Yeah. yeah. No, it's uh, Th- that that should have been the, the deal breaker. Right no, there I mean, for I guess women. the way a lot of women saw it. This is what I would assume most women who voted. And, I, and of course, I'm speaking for somebody that I am not, which is a hypothetical woman who voted for Trump. But I would assume they'd say something like this. Which is, I heard those tapes and I thought, that's not right. That's a very nasty thing to say about women. That's very inappropriate. But I still agree with this guy more on policy than I do on Hillary. So I'm going to vote for him. It's sort of like, what I did hear from a lot of people after those tapes came out, whether they were man or woman, if they were supporting Trump, was, okay, here's a guy that undeniably says horrible things. Locker but room if talk. I, yeah, or some people would excuse them, but some people wouldn't. Some people would acknowledge they were terrible. But they would still say, at the end of the day, I'm going to go with him because Hillary is so awful or because mm. I agree with his policies and I don't care what he says. Both of which I thought were invalid points. Or but because that's a whole they, they're so with their party. It's just, yeah. they, they just can't. Gotta vote for the Republican yeah, even they if just he says can't I'm go gonna away. grab whatever. Are you glad that he's the president? Do you think that we needed it? <laughs> no. I mean, that's that's a viewpoint for a lot of people. <laughs> no, we, I, we I, no, I see why you're asking me that. We needed him to be our president so we could, you know, uh, be aware of what's really going on in the world. And otherwise, we would have still been caught in the system. I, 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 I know. I, I'm so, I was despondent for like two days after he got elected. What I was. What does that word mean real quick? It basically <laughs> that I was, I was like in a, in a, in a, in a, uh, just in a state of shock that was so bad I couldn't even function normally. Mm. Like eating and sleeping was hard. I like I know that may sound silly. Um, I wasn't one of these people that was like crying into a camera. You know what I mean? Like saying like Trump won. You know, which like I get people were emotional, but that's just that just makes you look silly. But uh, I did. I was very upset. I mean, I was like, I, I think he's a disaster. I still think he is. I think that. I mean, look what happened to his national security advisor. He had a major resignation in his first month on the job he's as bad as I thought he was going to be. And yet I don't like it. There's one thing that I won't say about him. And that's just like with Milo, people will say like, he's the next Hitler. And I'm like, don't do that. You can, you can trash talk Donald Trump as a president and not have to compare him to Hitler and still make legitimate points as I believe I do. So I won't go be one of these people that says like Trump is the next Hitler. He's a Nazi or whatever. You want or he's a fascist. 
But that's, oh, I would like it if he did well, but I just I doubt that he will because he's so innate, he's so incoherent in his policies, and he's such a liar. I'm sorry, the president of the United States is a liar. I never thought I'd have to say that because uh, I know people. Well, lie. I would argue that you could have said that a lot of times I before. Think for, they all are liars. I think that there's, there's a difference a between people who lie and liars, and I know that kind of sounds like BS, but let me explain. So people who lie are people who lie occasionally. People who lie every once in a while because everyone lies. I lie, you lie. People who are liars tell huge lies, or as Trump would say, huge, huge <laughs> lies all the time. Trump just, it's as if facts don't even exist to I mean, him. Okay, playing devil's advocate, just, uh, you know, saying, for example, with Obama, okay, he, he may, ha he's what you would call um, somebody who lies and not a liar. Because everyone is somebody who but, lies. But I'm saying, like, how do we really know that? I mean, there's so much we're unaware of. How do we know that Obama wasn't lying, wasn't a liar for a lot of different things? Well, a lot of people looked up facts. I mean, people are always going to look up facts whenever Trump speaks. And that there's was a, the whole... There's a lot like, of the, fake facts out there, too, though. You have yeah, to... but, like, the whole inauguration thing with the attendance and then, uh, what's his name, his speaker uh, that, that they the always... press secretary, Spicer. Yeah, Sean Spicer. You know, he comes on and then apparently he was lying to try to cover up Trump. So, I mean, you know, there's always there's always going to be, you know, ske ske people being skeptical and who's telling the truth and not. But Trump, I mean, it's different when he says It's so it. extreme with him. Yeah. It's, just, it's beyond what you... Because look, again, presidents lie, politicians lie, people lie, I lie, you lie, everybody lies. But a liar is somebody who seems to do it effortlessly. Like it doesn't even mm -hmm. hurt them. Like it, like I, I always made this point. Hillary Clinton lied on occasion. Like I, I'm, I'm going to be, oh, the first Democrat to admit perhaps that every once in a while Hillary Clinton would tell a lie because she's a politician. But you could see when she was doing it that it was a little awkward for her. There was a little bit of awkwardness in some of Hillary Clinton's interviews because she had to be a little inconsistent on a particular view. And she struggled with it because it's hard for her because she's not a natural liar. With Trump, it's almost pathological. It's well, I think like, a lot of what Hillary did was like she'd be asked a question about something and sometimes she'd... I mean, if it was a big question, she'd address it. But then sometimes a lot and a lot of politicians, what they do is they deflect or like swerve it. Yeah. Whereas somebody like Trump, they just go like, nope, never happened. Or, yeah. you know, these are the facts. You're wrong. <laughs> Period. Wrong. 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 <laughs> and I, I just like to say about the whole Hitler thing is that people did the same thing with Obama. Yeah. So I think Democrats mm -hmm. and you know, Bush, they yeah, just do it to it, everybody. It's just, you know, but with Trump, it seems a little like. Almost everyone. It seems like everybody. He, it seems trendy. It's trendy to call Trump Hitler. And it's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> like, that that's an insult. Let me put it this way. That is an insult to everybody who suffered under the regime of Hitler, which is called the Holocaust. The Holocaust is... is what we're going through now with Trump is not comparable to the Holocaust. That is such a... It is such an incredible hyperbole. And then, you know, some people will say like, oh, you know, Hitler didn't kill the Jews on the first day. And it's like, what, what, do, you, what do you think Trump is going to do? Like, I think I a lot of people don't really truly believe that when they say it. Even it's like, e even the racist of the racists when they say that Obama, I mean, I don't really think they truly could compare. I mean, unless they're just beyond ignorant maybe but they're trying to score brownie points with people that agree with them because it's trendy to to you know trash talk the president when you're not in his party with people that you know agree with you but it's like don't do what's trendy do what's right <laughs> matt as we're coming to our closing um there's a lot of people that are uh commenting on 
all types of political issues, people that have never been a part of politics before. Um, as somebody who's pursuing this as a career, mm-hmm. um, what what is the message that you would put out to um, everybody uh, that is aspiring to sort of educate themselves about this or taking this on? And what do you hope to see in the future? Absolutely. I mean, what I want to tell people who are going into politics or who who want to be involved in politics in any way is keep doing what you're doing, which is having this interest, because it's important that we have good people in the world of politics. And also make sure that you show character, you know, be honest, you know, be be fair, be respectful, try to reach out to people with different views and base your views not off of your emotions, not off of what's trendy and popular, but off of what's right. Look up the facts, look up the stats, look up the law or think about the logic of your argument. And 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 don't fall into this this world of politics where everybody does what's going to score them brownie points with people that agree with them. That's not helpful and it's not impressive. Everybody can see that you're doing it by the way. We can all see you you can tell when somebody's trying to do that. It's very naked and obvious. So again, if you want, if you're interested in politics, keep it up, but be honest, be fair, uh, learn the facts, base your arguments off of logic. Uh, Matt, any sort of uh, plugs or um, anything, any places people can find you for future, any organizations that you want to uh, put out there? Sure. Yeah, I guess I should mention that I just got involved with a uh, a news media and opinion news type thing uh, startup called the National Discourse. You can find us uh, on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and, uh, yeah, the national discourse is, is something I'm very excited about. I'm national the managing discourse. editor there. Mm-hmm. So look up national discourse on Facebook and Twitter. We just got started. So I'm afraid I actually may have forgotten the Twitter handle, <laughs> but, um, yeah, look for us. Great. Matt, thank you so much thank for joining so much. us. Thank you, Matt. Um, thank you. Thank you. This has been the first episode of strange flavors. We'll see you on next time. Uh. I heard her say she's leaving again The summer left with her and I'm holding leaves back in my hand So it's back to the plan Man, I know the story like I know the back of my hand I guess it's meant for me I guess the man above knows what it's meant to be I tend to be Avoiding everything by my thoughts I thought I had my teeth straight I was ready to floss But I didn't even find myself until I got lost The movies and the maps and everything's all found me Honestly, there's a lot of dishonest people around me But they won't change me I got a mother, man She the only one who made me Simba to Mufasa She the only one who raised me it's amazing, I love it to the sun Where she see me shine, I'm me John, look at what you've done Look what i become when they used to laugh at me Saying, Saudi, where you from? But Saudi didn't run I'm from the earth, brother, yeah, me in the ground one My crown hit the floor, yeah, me in the brown punks What a violent little bunch, right? Yeah, my pun's fine, but that ain't the punchline Trying to give you food for thought, so hit the lunch line And it's crunch time, try to rise through Get the bird's eye view, let your pretty side lose Baby, look up at the rain, see the sky cries too Love this.